Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. This is High Tea with Grace, where we spill the tea on HIT. I'm thrilled to welcome Mary Jo Barthmeyer, president of Inside In Health. Welcome, Mary Jo. Hi, Grace. It's so wonderful to be here. Excited for our conversation today. Yes, we're excited to have you on to introduce you to our listeners. So tell me a little bit about Insight In Health. Sure. So we are a healthcare technology company. We are focused on experience, engagement, and satisfaction. We work with some leading uh, healthcare payers, primarily in the Medicare Advantage space. Um, We are about five years old. We have a small but mighty team. And um, we just have a general approach to doing things that kind of follows our tagline, which is simple, easy, and effective. So that's kind of who we are. That's fantastic. So tell me about the path that brought you to this president role at Insight In. Sure. Wow. Paths are so windy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I started my career with Ernst & Young. So I was a management consultant uh, down in DC, spent some time in San Francisco, traveled around, ultimately decided to go out on my own and be an independent uh, consultant. I love problem solving. I love kind of making order out of chaos. Um, Very good at kind of visualizing what needs to be done and how to build a strategy to move forward. So for 20 some years, I worked as an independent consultant, uh, had great, great clients, uh, did a lot of work in the healthcare tech, healthcare world starting in maybe 2012. And I met Enam Noor, who is the founder and CEO of Insighten. At the time, he was with a different company and we um We brought him into one of our clients where we developed what I call the OG care gap dashboard, right? So Mm -hmm. created this tool that allowed our customer service team to be able to kind of look up a member when a member called in and see some clinical information and be able to kind of drive them to, you know, closing that gap or connecting them with a someone on the clinical services team or something of that nature. So that was back in early, you know, 2012, 2013. And uh, it was a great project at the time. Our client was super happy. Enam and I developed a relationship, continued to stay in touch over the years, but I kind of love consulting and I 
didn't really feel inspired or motivated. And then about a year ago, I agreed to help Enom a little from a consulting perspective. We, he has a great clients, a great platform. Our Engage platform is um, a very powerful tool to kind of help aggregate health plan data, layer on some analytics and drive workflow solutions. So it's a very powerful tool. And I was consulting with him to kind of organize his growth strategy. And in the process, I kind of fell in love with the platform, fell in love with the people and uh, fell in love with the potential. And Enom is a very kind of persuasive individual. And ultimately I decided that what was best for me and best for the company was to join and kind of partner with Enom to kind of continue to grow the business. Oh, I just love that. And I love that the synergies worked in such a way that you really saw how you could make an impact at that organization. So how do you approach leadership? Um, how do you see that, you know, evolving and impacting kind of the culture at Insight In since you've started? Yeah, so that that's a really good question. I, um, I, I kind of believe that we bring all of our experiences and everything we are to everything that we do, right? So I think my leadership style can be traced back to, you know, my childhood. I come from a very large family, kind of a an extended family of large families. And I think in that environment, you you learn how to lead, you learn how to cooperate, you learn how to sacrifice, you learn how you learn the concept of the collective good, you know how to put others first. So all of those kind of core, I think really important and essential foundational principles are kind of part of who I am. Um, so so that's kind of the the roots of the leadership. And then in my career, I've been really fortunate to work with some amazing people. And along my journey, I've figured out that I can learn something from everyone. And I didn't know that I didn't know that when I first started working, right? Um, but I've I've gotten to a point where I know that there's something good that can come out of every situation, something that can be learned from every interaction. And I kind of take that constant feedback and evolve that to kind of continually evolve and grow as a leader. There's a couple of things, though, that are really consistent. Um, so anybody who works with me knows that uh, I have three very simple rules that are important. Um, and I stole these from a great leader that I worked with years ago. Um, but my three rules are do the right thing, right? Because I truly believe that if we're all focused on doing what's right, we even if we get ourselves into some kind of trouble or an unfortunate situation, if you're working from a purpose, sorry about that. If you're working from a purpose of doing what's right, you can solve things, right? So do what's right, no surprises. So we're a small team, there's a lot going on. We all own a lot of different areas and we all need to know what's happening. So good news should travel quickly, bad news should travel even quicker. And let's make sure that we're all kind of connected and that we are operating from a good source of information. So that's something that's really important. It's my second rule. And then the third rule is come with a plan. And that that really is because I believe in individual ownership. So I'm not here as a leader to tell you what to do. I'm here to help you be the best person that you can be. And I want you to be an owner of your destiny, right? I'll help you, I'll coach you, I'll guide you, but I need you to be invested in owning it. So those are those are kind of my rules, which I think makes it easy to work with me. 
I don't know that everybody would agree with that, but <laughs> I think I'm easy to work with, right? And I and I think there's probably two more things if I if I if I'm not overdoing this answer. No, not at all. We all want to learn from you. <laughs> um, I think, and and this kind of gets into I think where I think that um, my addition to the team is valuable for Insighten, right? So I am a big believer in the pri the importance of communication and the importance of documentation. Uh, when I was in college, we had this rule that said moderation is the key to success, right? <laughs> Which maybe made sense for college, but now that I've grown up a bit, I've realized that really clear communication is what's essential for success. And communication is super hard. And to do it right requires some real focus. So as a leader, if you're not focused on communication, you are positioning, you're not positioning your team to be successful. So we will move more quickly. We will make less mistakes. We will be more direct. There will be greater cohesion and clarity. And that all translates into speed and effectiveness. So I think that the clarity of my communication style, the openness that I have to information sharing, and the expectation that people will um, kind of own the business and be responsible um, and, and lead together with everyone else in the organization, I think that's going to allow us to really accelerate our and build on the really strong strengths that we have today. That is so fantastic. Thank you for sharing that wisdom with us. It's truly encouraging and inspiring. So now let's dive into some industry talk. Uh, you have 20% of Medicare Advantage members on your platform. What are the biggest challenges facing Medicare Advantage plans today? Wow, <laughs> there's probably a lot that we could go to there, right? I, I think um, if I think at the top, right? So competition, right? Medicare Advantage space is becoming increasingly competitive. Right now, an average Medicare beneficiary probably has like 39 different plans that they can choose from. So that says that if a member is not happy with you as a health plan, they have choices, right? Mm. And they, they can move. Um, I think that's a real issue for, and I think it's a good thing because competi competition is good choice is good, um, but it, it forces plans to kind of make sure that they're step up and stepping up and delivering value in the experience and engagement world. I think another challenge is that uh, star ratings are increasingly dependent on experience and satisfaction measures. Mm -hmm. And and again, that's a great thing, right? Be, and I think it's kind of brilliant of CMS to do that, right? We want health plans to know and understand their members better. And if you know and understand your members, you create lifetime member value for the plan by delivering these highly consumer-centric you know, experiences to members. So I, I think that that pressure to know how to connect to the member and deliver um, you know, deliver on satisfaction, I think is something that plans are very, very focused on today, which is perfect because that's that's right in our strike zone of what of what we do. There's um there's a great quote by Steve Jobs that says something like, 
you know, get closer than ever to your customers, so close that you know what they need before they know it themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if if MA plans can have that level of intimacy with their members, you know, that's that's a very powerful thing. It and does seem that health plans are kind of experiencing this data overload, you know, and they're and the healthcare data is so hard and tricky to be able to really derive value from that. So are they experiencing a data overload? That's that's what I'm seeing from the outside in. And how can they truly derive the most value from the data that they do have? Yeah, yeah. It's funny, we are surrounded by data in healthcare, right? It's like, mm -hmm. we do not have a shortage of data. That is not the problem. I, I don't know whether I'd say that it's a data overload. I, I totally see that, that you can be, feel like you're swimming in it. I think the challenge is making sure that you have the right data available in a format that's usable in a way that translates that data into information, which allows you to take action. I think that's the challenge, more so than being overloaded by, by data, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So so I think, you know, I, I think that um, being able, you know, with, with our platform, we have a software as a service platform, we help aggregate that data and we need to be able to connect data from all different sources. And we need to make it easy for health plans to be able to do that because healthcare data is collected at so many, so many points along the healthcare supply chain, right? And to be able to bring that together and uncover the stories in that data and figure out how to action it, that's, that's really the challenge with healthcare data today. Mm -hmm. Where do you find them falling short most often uh, when it comes to measuring and addressing member experience? My consulting experience, I've worked with a lot of health plans and I wouldn't want to say that anyone is kind of falling short, right? I think they're all trying to do the right thing, right? They're trying to come up with ways to um, improve experience and understand the impact of the solutions that they're putting in place. But that's not easy to do, right? Mm -hmm. So um, what I will say is that from my point of view, health plans that are approaching experience and satisfaction from a um, kind of a spirit of the law perspective as opposed to a letter of the law perspective mm. are going to be more successful right it does seem that there is a seems to be a focus on let's just get these heated scores in let's just figure out that you know this out instead of really going of above like above and beyond for what's best for the patients and medicare advantage patients are so disadvantaged and have so many needs and so many gaps and there's so much opportunity so where do you meet that balance of really serving the patient while also doing what's needed for reporting yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, the point that you're raising there is is kind of something that we talk about all the time, right? So, if you look, and you mentioned HEDIS, I'm specifically going to mention CAPS here. So, mm. if you look at CAPS right now, there's a lot of conversation in the market that says, so what does somebody look like who's going, who's likely to, um, likely to score us poorly on a CAPS survey, right? And that's a very, from my perspective, again, a very narrow question, right? The question or the framework that makes more sense to me is, 
in response to CAPS, in response to this experience and satisfaction increased waiting in STARS, what do I need to do as a health plan to make sure that every interaction and every experience and every event that I'm having with a member is, is valuable? And, and that's the plans that we're talking to that are taking that approach, I think are going to be you know, much, more, much more successful long-term. And I think that that's the intention of this changed weighting by CMS. It, it is really to encourage plans to, to get that close to their customers, to understand what's right for them, and then drive them you know, by, by using the data to identify what's the right next step for them, drive them to the, the next best action. So somebody might have a, a HEDIS gap, for example, but they might also have a barrier to care that is related to food insecurity. Mm. So let's not focus first on closing that care gap because they might need to really focus first on strengthening their position and be able to be fed, feed their family, right? So I think that holistic information and being able to know what's the right order of operations in terms of what you need to do to best care for your member is, is, is very important and very powerful. Um, you know, as I, I mentioned, this holistic view and kind of a more spirit of the law approach, if you think about satisfaction, the ultimate measure of dissatisfaction is when people leave the plan, right? Mm -hmm. so you mentioned that we have 20% of the population in our platform and we've had our platform analyzes churn, right? So we can see why people are leaving, why people, people are staying. And if you understand those elements, you're able to develop programs that can address the points of dissatisfaction before they ever get to that point. So again, these are examples of how data can be leveraged to divine strategies that will allow you to kind of hold on to your members for life, which, which translates, of course, into better care, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody stays with a plan a long time, you know what their needs are. You don't lose, you don't lose sight of the fact that they have these, you know, situations or challenges because you know that when you when you hop from plan to plan your history isn't really moving with you and that creates an unfortunate situation a lot of times for the members are you able to share with us some of the programs that have been the most successful historically if you look at cap scores you will see access to care is really kind of one of the biggest challenge areas mm -hmm. so and that's that makes sense because a lot of those access to care measures are greatly influenced by the provider community. And there's a lot of talk about provider and payer collaboration, and it really is essential in order to improve those access to care measures. So where we're seeing a lot of interest and a lot of success is helping health plans build a bridge to connect into the provider's workflows and be able to pass critical information back and forth from the engaged platform and be able to drive that to influence members. So for example, you would be able to know a simple thing like passing appointment data. If you receive appointment data into the platform, you're able to reach out to that member in advance of that um, physician appointment to make sure that they have a ride. If you know that they have transportation issues and you know that their benefits allow them a transportation service, you can interject and serve that member in a way to help them 
actually show up for the appointment. So that's an area where, you know, that provider payer communication and being able to help facilitate that bridge, that's that's something that's really a, a valuable way to kind of improve that experience. As you know, tech and healthcare delivery change, what do you see as the future here and in and where data and analytics will, will go to and how it'll be able to impact health plans? I think that you will see kind of a, a continued emphasis on putting control and information into the consumer's hands. So kind of, mm -hmm. kind of more self-service tools and more flexibility and choice coming to coming to the consumer in healthcare. I think that you will also see um, um, increased focus on real-time information and interaction like you like just like retailers do leveraging data as an asset and not a byproduct so i think mm -hmm. it's continued emphasis on kind of immediacy and currency required to be able to satisfy members and i think that um Clearly, there's a greater focus on making sure that models are trained with uh, sensitivity and awareness to um, diversity issues and health equity issues. So those are some of the things that are part of the product roadmap and will continue to kind of develop and influence where the engaged platform goes and also where I think the industry will be going to. Very interesting. So now I'd love to dive into your personal life a little bit. As a you know, very busy executive uh, helping run a, a, a company that's in the healthcare, healthcare technology space, what are some things that you do in your personal life to work your best and make a difference? Wow, great question. Um, is there any time to do things in your personal life? No. <laughs> um, I think that uh, I, well, I ride horses. Um, and so that's really fun. I started that years ago, years ago, my, I have uh, 18 year old twins and they have been riding horses for a very long time, probably since they were six years old. And when they went into high school, they broke me down and convinced me to, um, you know, to get them horses. And I live, I live outside Philadelphia on kind of a, kind of like a small, small farm property and i thought they will they will be angry with me when they're older if they say you had a barn how come we didn't have horses so now that they're off in college i have to take care of all of them which is not so great but that's that's one of the things i do to kind of free up my mind and i think it's really helpful because when you're sitting on top of a horse and you're you know, riding, if you're not focused and present in that moment, it, it can be dangerous. So it's a really nice break for me. That, that's something that I like to do. That's fantastic. Now, on the leadership side, what is your go-to podcast, leadership book, anything that kind of inspires you to keep you going and keep you inspired and and, and moving and, and, and really leading? Yeah. So, gosh, um, my, my podcast... Uh, my podcasts are probably a little bit uh, less leadership oriented, but one of the podcasts that I love is The Moth, and it is all true stories delivered without notes, and and there are oftentimes some really inspiring personal stories there, and I think personal stories are important, and particularly when you think about healthcare. The things you remember are when you hear a story about how, you know, a problem was solved for a member or a challenge for a member. Mm. So I think personal stories are really important, and that's why I enjoy the moth. Um, 
From uh, side note on the moth, I've actually been to the moth in oh. person and saw these stories live. And I'm a huge advocate for the patient's story and the impact of the patient's story in healthcare. And it is true. You learn so much from somebody when they tell you about their favorite meal or their favorite tea or, or their personal healthcare patient experience. And so that's really fascinating. I really appreciate you bringing, bringing that up. Oh, I'm glad because I was thinking, oh, that might not be businessy enough, but I think you can learn so much, right? Um, and the strength of some of the storytellers is just phenomenal. Um, from a book perspective, one of the books that I love and I go back to it all the time is The Hard Thing About Hard Things by mm -hmm. Ben Horowitz. And he's been through, you know, he's been through a lot of situations and he has tremendous experiences. And I find that you know, it's, he's, it's a very been there, done that kind of book. And so as you read it, you can relate it to what's happening today. And he's able to really just like outline a path of how he was able to chart a course. And through very specific stories, it creates great models, I think, for leadership, for decision making, and for understanding. And it's pretty much targeted, I think, towards founder CEO type people, but I think it's an excellent read for anyone. And again, I go back to it again and again. Um, and then I have another book that I think is an interesting leadership book, although it, from a category perspective, it wouldn't be. And this book is called Behind the Dream. And it's written by uh, Clarence Jones and Stuart Connolly. Mm. And Clarence is, he was Martin Luther King Jr.'s advisor, um, attorney, confidant um, from 1960 to 1968. And Clarence, this book, in this book, Clarence tells the story of the planning for the March on Washington in 1964, right? And in this story, and I'm sure this isn't his intended takeaway, but this is my takeaway you see how this group of people was committed to planning this march. They knew that this was an important thing to do. They knew it was the right thing to do. They didn't know if they would be successful. They didn't know if they would be able to pay for it. They didn't know if people would come, right? And they just stayed focused on the task because it was important. And they were committed to, to just doing the work that was needed. And in the end, they made history, right? It was a, it was, you know, very, very significant moment in our country's history. So when I think about how that is a leadership model and really for anyone, like staying focused on what, what you're doing, understanding what's important, realizing um, the value of working together in a team for a collective good, like staying focused on that, even on days where you feel like everything's going wrong, right? You can just keep that commitment and who knows, you might be making history, right? So I feel really inspired by that book. And, you know, it's, it's an easy read and it's part of our cultural history as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Did you happen to bring tea with you today? I've got my mug right here. Ah, so tell me about your mug. So this mug is, I purchased this in Montana. Let me hold it up more. Oh, for wow. It's lovely. And they are, they're, uh, it was probably 30 years ago. Um, I was out there for my brother's wedding and they're handmade and I bought six of them. 
And I think this is my last one, but I just, I like the square edge on the corner. I don't know if you can see that. And I think why I like that is I like things that are a little bit off kilter. Like that's something that I resonate with and respond well with. So I tend to drink out of the corner. So. Yes, the carvings are truly beautiful and you can tell how original it is and that it was really made with a, lo a ton of thought and care. That's really very fascinating. Well, thank you so much for joining us to finish this conversation right. Where can our listeners find you online? You can find us on insightinhealth.com and you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much, Mary Jo, for joining us today. Thank you, Grace. It was really a lot of fun. And thank you folks for joining us too. Check out the Hit Like a Girl podcast website and YouTube page for more great guests like Mary Jo today. Cheers. Like a Girl Media is more than a media network. It's a community. We want to meet you and amplify your voice and the voices of outstanding women innovating in healthcare. Interested in starting your own podcast or hosting an event near you? Connect with us online or in person. We're here to support and empower you. 